Hey everybody and welcome back to I Just Want to Talk About the Bible. If this is your first time joining us today, then let me just welcome you and say that I am so glad that you're here. My name is Christian Keeter and I live in the southeast of the United States of America with my amazing, beautiful, godly wife Lacey and our two wonderful daughters, Felicity and Serenity. So I believe that the Lord has been shifting my perspective regarding something, a bit of a paradigm shift that I want to share with you guys as well, because I believe that um, you may be able to to relate to this. So I have shared on this podcast before plenty of times how over the years I've had battles with things like anxiety, fear, worry, guilt, condemnation, and, and other things like that. And I, I've, like I said, I've recorded episodes talking about this. And I feel like the Lord has been changing my perspective as to how I even approach these sorts of battles. Historically, I think in my heart, I have wanted probably what any of us would want very intuitively, very naturally, which is this. I want those things to stop. I don't even want anxiety to come knocking. It'd be way better... If, you know, anxiety just kind of lost my address and stopped showing up on the doorstep, knocking on the door, so to speak, right? But that hasn't been the experience. And I trust that, you know, it's probably the same for you. It might not necessarily be anxiety, but has there been a recurring battle? Has there been something that's continued to return and return and return? And you've wanted it just to go away. And you also have the knowledge that God can just take it away. And so you might even be a little a little perplexed. Now, let me say before going forward that what I'm talking about today is not, uh, how, how can I say this? It's not going to be the case in every single scenario, but rather it is a, it, it has a seat at the table. What I mean is this, sometimes God will just take things away, just outright, boom, gone. Not, not like, for, I'm sure there are some people, even people listening, who could say, you know, um, I also once struggled with things like anxiety or, or worry or feeling um, stressed out, and the Lord just took it away. And I say, praise the Lord for that, like truly, and and there's nothing wrong with, with asking for that. But then there's other cases where that's not necessarily the case. And so what we're talking about today is another voice kind of at the table, an additional perspective to take into consideration with the battles that you fight, especially if it's one that's been recurring for a period of time. And uh, I'm not saying that there are not other components relevant to this. Um, Ask God for wisdom. He has promised to give it to those who ask in faith. That's something we talk about on this podcast a lot, James 1, 5, and 6. I mean, bring other um, godly believers into the conversation, listen to their counsel, because Scriptures say that a wise man listens to advice in Proverbs twelve fifteen. So there's again, this is a piece of a puzzle. But without you know further ado, let's just let's start talking about this. So in Matthew four, Matthew four, this is a famous passage. This is right after Jesus's baptism, and and the Father speaks from heaven about how this is his beloved Son with whom he is well pleased. And then Matthew four. It says, beginning in verse one, at, I'm sorry, backing up to verse or chapter three, really quickly. The final thing that happens in verse three is the Father speaks. It says, "And behold, a voice from heaven said, 'This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased.'" Then turning to 
to chapter four, verse one, it immediately, or it, yeah, it says, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And so right after that, this is what happens. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And I think that this is a verse in the past that I've kind of had, you know, certain answers to, but I think on some level, it's perhaps been a little bit difficult for me. If it had just said, you know, then Jesus was tempted by the devil, then it'd be like, okay, yep, that's what the devil does. He's called the tempter. But that's not all the verse says. The verse says, then Jesus was led up by the spirits into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. By the spirit. And if indeed we believe the scriptures where it says, you know, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, which Jesus is actually about to quote in this passage, or how it says uh, in 2 Timothy that all scripture is God-breathed, right? Then, then we can't just ignore things that the Bible says. So this phrase that he was led by the Spirit is meaningful. He was led into the wilderness. And it says to be tempted by the devil. Now, before proceeding, just to make sure that we're all on the same page, I just want to point out a couple of general truths that we need to keep in mind as we have this conversation. The first one is that it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that God is faithful and that he will not let us be tempted beyond our ability. Okay, that's very important for us to keep in mind. Additionally, we have to remember that in James chapter 1, it says that God is not tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. So, what's the difference here? Temptation is for the purpose of destruction, right? Like if someone is tempted, it is for the purpose of their downfall. However, testing, testing is not necessarily, it is not the same. Testing has a feeling of development about it. It has a feeling of um, proving the authenticity of something. And so I would draw a distinction here. And that's a very important distinction that we, as we have this conversation. God does not tempt people the scriptures say, and he will not allow temptation to come that will be beyond our ability. And that's because he is faithful. Very important for us to remember. But it says that Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And of course, we have this passage here where Jesus and the enemy, you know, let's just, let's just read through this a little bit, actually. Continuing in verse two, it says, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Which, by the way, let's just pause there. That was through verse 3. The end of chapter 3 ends with the father saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And now here in the wilderness, the devil is saying, if you are the son of God. And he actually says it twice. This is the first time here in verse 3. And this observation is not original with me. I believe the, uh, the guy who disciples me pointed this out. But it's just so interesting that the word that the father spoke was then challenged by the devil. It's, uh, and how the father spoke, and then the devil challenged that. And, you know, I, I believe that we can uh, very much expect similar things in our lives. Just as a personal example, um, I shared in the previous episode entitled A Sacrifice of Praise about how I feel like the Lord um, spoke to me about an acceptable sacrifice is giving thanks when I don't feel like it. Giving thanks in all circumstances. And guys, after, I mean, uh, I feel like he said that to me uh, a few weeks ago. And the ensuing weeks after that had some real, like, battles in them. 
and it was it was almost like I'm I, I'm sitting there asking myself, will I still give thanks? Will I still give thanks right now? Will I still give thanks? So I heard from the Lord, and then a battle came, and you can probably relate to this as well. And so here we see it's almost like in the parable of the sower, where we see the birds on the path trying to eat the seed that was scattered, you know, and 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 that represents the devil stealing it. It was almost a similar sort of thing as that. But I just wanted to point out, just as a side note, this isn't the main point, but it is worth noting that the enemy directly challenged what the Father said, if you are the Son of God. Continuing in verse 4, But he, Jesus, but he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus answers with Scripture. Continuing in verse 5, Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, there it is again, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Man, there's there's so much I want to talk about with this, because there's so many just really great uh cool, exciting things here, far more than I'm even aware of. Obviously, we can never plumb the depths of the riches of the word of God, right? He can always show us fresh new things from his word, and we should always come to it with an excitement and an expectation and never come at it with a familiarity that leads to just kind of a disengagement where we're just kind of reading it. But God can always show us new things from scriptures, even that we've been reading for years. So, here we have this, this battle in the wilderness that Jesus faces here with the enemy. Obviously, Jesus responds all three times with Scripture. Even the enemy tries to take Scripture and misapply it um, to lead Jesus astray. That's instructive in and of itself. And um, let's see. And here at the end, I do want to point out how it said, The devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Just a couple of, uh, well, let me just flip over to James really quickly. James, James 4, in verse 7, it says, here we go. Sorry, it just took me a minute to flip here. James 4, 7, it says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And we see that very same thing happening here in the life of Jesus. Submit yourself, therefore, to God, um, Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. In Luke's account of this passage, he uh, includes a another detail at the very end of this that I want to read as well. So at the end of this, this the temptation narrative, it says in Luke 4.13, And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. So the enemy was still looking for, quote, an opportune time. But here we just see the very thing that James is talking about. We see where... The Lord Jesus resisted the devil, and the devil fled from him. He left, and we're commanded to do the same. We are, But it first says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We are to submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Okay, so, why are we here talking about this? Like I said, 
like I said, I have in the past um, done my best to avoid the battle. And I use the examples of things like anxiety and so forth that I mentioned at the beginning. But there's, again, you could plug many things into here. You talk about a recurring battle. I have done my best to avoid the battle. But I wonder, I wonder if by trying to avoid it, I am actually fighting against what God is seeking to accomplish. By running from it, by seeking to avoid it altogether, by trying to insulate myself altogether, what if I am avoiding the very thing that God is trying to do? And I would point back to verse 1 of uh, Matthew chapter 4, where it says that Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. This was the Lord's leading, right? This is important. This is a very important thing for us to remember. So let me ask you this question. Is it better to avoid difficulties or to walk in victory over them? Which of those is actually better? Now, we know which is easier. It is easier, if possible, to avoid difficulties. But which is actually better? Is it better to just to insulate yourself from difficulties, struggles, trials, battles, or to be able to walk in victory over these things? Let me ask you this way. Which of those two states of being is more secure. Well, obviously the ability to walk in victory over them, because that means this, it means that whether the trial comes or whether it doesn't come, there's going to be a sense of stability. The former where there's only going to be stability where you avoid the difficulty, but if you pass through it and learn how to walk in victory over it, learn how to engage in the battle, learn how to fight, then that's a far more secure thing. John Eldridge, in his book, Fathered by God, makes this statement. He says, we look for the path of least resistance, and this is rarely the right path to take. I recently had the privilege and opportunity to speak at a church on behalf of Mentoring Men for the Master, which is um, a ministry that I am on staff with. And um, I initially... My boss was going to be the one to speak. However, he had to be on a vocal rest of sorts because he's been under the weather and he just was, he was unable to to do that. And so I ended up being the one who was going to do it. And you guys, I'll just be transparent with you and say that at first I didn't want to do it. I did not want to do it. I, I, I just really didn't want to, um, just, I was, uh, probably afraid of being humiliated, of failing, of, uh, you know, I didn't want to do the the work of preparation and all of that, you know, all really good flattering qualities that we should all have, right? No, of course not, but I'm just being honest with you. I'm being real with you, but I just want to say I'm so glad that I did. It was the Lord's will. He led me into something that I did not want to do and I'm so initially did not want to do. And I'm so glad and so thankful that I did and ended up being a wonderful, really precious time. And um and I'm so like I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that he led me into that, right? Then Christian was led up by the Spirit to the church where he spoke, <laughs> right? It just because it was, but leading up to it, it was a battle for me. And uh, I really wrestled through um, the anxiety surrounding uh, preparing and then speaking there and things like that. 
And so this was, this was just an example kind of in my, my own life. And I'm just trying to keep it, you know, ground, like just with show you how this is applied in my life. And maybe you can think of examples of this as well. But coming back to Fathered by God, the book by John Eldridge, I finished it, I think yesterday, um, at the time of this recording. And uh, while it's a book that is explicitly written for men, there are principles in it that apply to every believer, male or female. And just a couple of points that he makes that are relevant to our discussion today are what we often consider hassles, trials, or even our own screw-ups might actually be God fathering and initiating us. These things are to strengthen us, heal us, or dismantle some unholy thing in us. Um, he points out that he, he says that we have to realize that life is hard and that's normal and it's good for us. If we don't understand this, we will always be looking for comfort. And that difficulties and things like that are training. They're warrior training. Um, they are, he says, hardship is the dojo. It's how, he says that a warrior learns how to fight in battle. So for me, what am I talking about with all this? This, These recurring struggles with anxiety and things like that, or, and it could be anything for you. I, I really hope that you're taking the time to prayerfully ask the Lord, well, what is this for me? How does this apply for me? Is there something recurring that comes up in my life that I've just been trying to insulate myself from? What if, what if these things are the very area where God is seeking to work? where he is seeking to work in you, where he is seeking to develop you, where he's seeking to bring you along, where he's seeking to create some stability, where he's seeking to set you free by teaching you how to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, walk in victory over something so that your happiness and content, contentment and all that is not contingent upon things happening a certain way. What if he is growing you up through it? What if he is developing you? What if? What if? This is something I believe he's been doing with me. And I realize now by seeking to avoid the battle, I've probably prolonged it. And I think about Israel and the wilderness in the Old Testament. They prolonged it by 40 years. They chose the wilderness over the promised land because they didn't want to trust God and fight. Remember that? They got to the edge of the promised land and not that they had been perfect up to this point, but the spies come back and there are two faithful spies, Joshua and Caleb, but then there are the 10 faithless spies that bring back this bad report and the people believe it. And they don't trust the Lord. And uh, and that ends up keeping them in the wilderness, doesn't it? Right? Psalm 56.3 says, When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. I actively, deliberately, intentionally, decidedly put my trust in you. But guys, we cannot just keep, you know, running from the battle. Um, if it keeps coming back up, Maybe God is developing you. Maybe he's doing something here. Maybe he's working in a way. And um, I think we should ask him. Psalm 18 verse 29 says, For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. Psalm 18.34 says, He trains my hands for war, so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. He's able to strengthen you. Now, I mean, obviously you need to do this all in the power of the Spirit of God. Jesus said, Apart from me you can do nothing. If we're going to walk in victory in these areas, then it's going to be because God gives us the victory as we abide in him, as we walk by the Spirit, as we trust in him. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Okay, so let me um, let me flip over here. James, I know I already 
should have kept my finger in the book of James earlier, but I didn't. So let me flip back to James. The very beginning of the book of James, verses 2 through 4, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. There we see the development that we're kind of talking about. There we see the being taught to walk in victory. There we do not see insulation from difficulty, but rather we see that very battle producing steadfastness. And steadfastness leading to being perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. What if we approached the recurring struggles with the perspective of, I'm going to count it all joy because the Lord is going to use this. He's using this to develop steadfastness in me, to develop me, to bring me along, to help me to walk in victory, to strengthen me. Let's take a look at Nehemiah real quick. The biblical character of Nehemiah, Old Testament figure, just really quickly to place him in the history of when this happens. This is after, long after the kingdom had been divided into the southern kingdom of Judah and northern uh, tribes, just collectively referred to as Israel. And uh, Judah had been carried off into captivity into Babylon, Babylon for 40, I'm sorry, for 70 years. And then after the 70 years, they were permitted to return to the land. And when they returned to the land, the walls of Jerusalem had been destroyed. And there is this guy, Nehemiah, who is allowed to return to the land. And he is overseeing the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. However, some of the inhabitants of the surrounding country of Jerusalem are opposing the work that Nehemiah and um, the Jewish people were seeking to accomplish. So here in verse, I'm sorry, chapter six, let's just read this, but I want you to look at Nehemiah. I want you to look at the strength that, and the resolve that we see in him. And keep this in mind. uh, This is in light of our conversation of passing through the battle. And I'll comment on that more in just a minute. So Nehemiah chapter six, beginning in verse one. Now, when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, come and let us meet together at Hakafirim in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. In the same way, Sanballat for the fifth time sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you are building the wall, and according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. And now the king will hear of these reports. So now come and let us take counsel together. Then I sent to him saying, no such things as you say have been done for you are inventing them out of your own mind. For they all wanted to frighten us thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, O God, strengthen my hands. That's um, chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. You look at that, and if I were to ask the question, was Nehemiah being a good leader here? It's, I, mean, I think you would just kind of intuitively be like, yes, yes, he is. But why? What is it about Nehemiah that is commendable in this passage that we just read? Well, we see him faced with lots of opposition. It says that they sent to him four times in the same way. It says um, 
In verse 4, And they sent me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. In the same way, Sambalat, for the fifth time, sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. So five times. And there's just this opposition, this, this pushback, these threats, and these false accusations against Nehemiah. And yet he sticks to it. He isn't afraid. He's dependent on God. You hear that at the very end? But now, oh God, strengthen my hands. He's dependent, but he is, he's not, he's not yielding to the enemies. He's saying, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? Listen, that, think about Jesus in the wilderness. When the enemy comes, trying to tempt him and lead him astray, he says, it is written, it is written. And then he says, be gone, Satan, for it is written. And quotes, we we see a strength. We see a resolve. We see someone engaged in the battle, not yielding to the threats, distractions, or temptations of the enemy. What we're talking about, what we're talking about today is instead of insulating ourselves from the battle, passing through it and letting God develop in us the strength we see modeled by Jesus. The strength we see modeled obviously to a lesser degree than to Jesus than by Jesus um, by Nehemiah. It's similar to, for example, in Luke chapter nine, Luke nine, it says, Luke nine fifty one, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. So Jesus is going to be returning to heaven. Obviously, he's going to go through the crucifixion, be buried, be raised from the dead, and he's going to ascend and return to the right hand of the Father. It says, when the days are nearer for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. He said, I am going. He set his face there. There was, I mean, He was determined to get there, despite the difficulty that awaited. So, what I'm simply saying is this. I see that I have been running from a battle that I think the Lord wants to teach me to walk in victory over. That he wants to teach me how to have stability and security as I depend on him and not just have to try to insulate myself from it, not to be so fragile that my well-being is connected to the absence of the battle. Does that make sense? I hope it does. And I hope that this is encouraging you. I hope that you can see ways that this applies. So, let me just leave you with a couple of simple applications, very simple ways to apply this. Obviously, ask the Lord to give you the wisdom to see if there's an area where this is happening and then ask him for the strength to go through it, right? But now, oh God, strengthen my hands. And uh, and the first thing I would say is, like it said in Psalm 56.3, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. When we see a lack of trust in God, Think through the scriptures. When we see a lack of trust in God, good things do not follow. No. We see a line, just again, the example of the uh, Hebrews in the wilderness who didn't trust the Lord, and they that entire generation was barred from the promised land, um, except for Caleb and Joshua. They were allowed to go in. But when I'm afraid, I put my trust in the Lord. Two, 
and like uh, I'm sorry, like we talked about in the previous episode, a sacrifice of praise. We need to give thanks in all circumstances, period, regardless. To count it all joy, like James says. Um, to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians five sixteen through 18. And if you haven't listened to the previous episode, I would encourage you to do that as well, where we talk about that uh, in even more detail. So deliberately place your trust in him. Begin to praise him, thank him, and worship him. Um, And make it specific. Thank you, Lord, that I can trust you in this. Thank you that you see me. Thank you that this is not too much, and you will help me, and you are working a good plan. Ask him for help. Ask him to teach you how to fight. And like we see with Jesus in the wilderness, the Word of God is going to play an indispensable role in this. I recorded an episode... Um, a little while back now, but not too long ago, called, But What Does the Bible Say? And that needs to be part of this discussion. It's like, well, what does God say through his word? What can I cling on to? Because when we see Jesus facing the enemy in the wilderness, all three times, all three times, he says, it is written. It is written. It is written. But I just want to end with this, this little bit of hope. Again, this is a point that uh, John Eldridge draws out in Fathered by God. Really good point. At the end of the account, we already read this verse, but I want to highlight it now. At the end of the account in the wilderness between Jesus and the enemy, it says in verse 11, Matthew 4, Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. I just want to leave you with this. Relief will come. Relief will come. We see the devil left him, angels came and were ministering to him. Relief will come, just stay in the battle. We prolong the battle, we prolong the wilderness just like the Israelites did. And I don't, again, I don't want to make any specific promises or anything like that as far as what your specific circumstance is going to look like or anything like that. But just as I look at the pattern in Matthew 4 that Jesus set in the wilderness, relief came. There was a time stamp on this. He was not in the wilderness forever. He returned from the wilderness. So just hold on. Hold on. Get a firm grip. Just stand your ground. God is doing something. He has promised. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And as a side note, when we are so caught up in either insulating ourselves from trials or, you know, difficulties, battles, just trying to avoid it. It can be very easy just to be very self-centered and focus only on ourselves. But guys, we're surrounded by people who need the Lord. We're surrounded by people who don't know him that are going to die and go to hell unless they're born again. We're surrounded by fellow believers who are struggling immensely themselves, whose hands the Lord could use us to strengthen But if we're just focusing so much on ourselves, then we're oblivious to these things. There are many times I don't want to record a podcast. There's many times I don't want to get set up and do this. There's many times I'd rather just kind of stay in my own bubble. But that wouldn't be the right thing to do, now would it? No, it wouldn't be the right thing to do. But listen, if you're born again, you've got the Spirit of God. 
you've got what it takes because he lives in you. You don't have the resources in and of yourself. No, apart from him, we can do nothing, but you've got the Holy Spirit. You've got him living in you and you can always turn to the Lord for strength. And if you're not born again, you can be. You can give your life to Jesus this very moment. You can bend the knee to King Jesus. You can pledge your allegiance to him. You can acknowledge his authority over your life. You can believe in him. Believe that he did die on the cross to pay for your sins, that he rose from the dead, literally, physically, that apart from him, there is no way to have peace with God. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There's no other way. But that if you believe in him, you will become a child of God. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. But just uh, one last time, Psalm verses 18, uh, chapter 18, verses 29 and 34. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. And he trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. Um, I want to pray for you guys really quickly. Let's pray. Father, thank you for all the dear souls listening to this. Lord, please, all of us, everyone who's hearing my voice, including myself, Father, please help us to see things from your perspective. Show us the battles you want us to walk through and give us the strength and the wisdom to know how to engage. Help us to see things from your perspective, Lord, that you are developing us, that you are actually setting us free by allowing us to pass through the things that we seek to avoid so often. Lord, I just, I just, we just ask for your help. We really do ask for your help in this. And please give us wisdom, again, to see things from your perspective. Like I said, uh, there's, you know, any early on, there's, there's different reasons we could be going through something. But Lord, I just pray that you give us the wisdom to see exactly why that is. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And one thing that I just remembered while we were praying there that I want to include here is that sometimes whenever difficulties would come of pretty much any kind, I could be tempted to jump to the conclusion that this is somehow my fault, that I did something wrong and therefore things are not going right. Now, is that possible? Well, sure, that's certainly possible. This is part of the reason why we need to ask God for wisdom to show us what is actual, um, what's actually happening Um, and not just jumping to conclusions ourselves. But I do want to say this. I believe that so much of the time where there have been struggles or difficulties, and even times where I thought, oh my my goodness, am I doing something wrong? It wasn't that this was directly connected to something wrong I did or anything like that, but rather this is the very thing we're talking about. God fathering me, initiating me, making a warrior out of me, Teach me how to fight, right, in a, in a right way. And so I just wanted to include that as well because somebody may be able to relate to that. All right? Well, in closing, um, I just want to talk about the Bible is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, which means that any and all gifts given are tax deductible. So if you feel so led to give, instructions on how to do so can be found in the footer of every podcast episode. And thank you so very much to those of you who have already given Uh, to the ministry. And, you know, may the Lord bless you for your generosity. All right, my friends, until next time, God bless you.